Today's Bible reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's all in the timing, they say. We all know how important it can be to pick your moment, whether you're delivering the punchline of a joke or giving some difficult news to a colleague or family member. As the book of Ecclesiastes puts it, there's a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh and, and all the rest of it. The problem is knowing which time is which. The ancient Greeks had a word for it, as they so often do, or rather they had two words. There was chronos, chronological time, the time you can tell by looking at your watch. But there was also kairos, the right moment, the opportune time, the time to act. We're all having to find kairos moments, the right times in this coronavirus pandemic. When is it the right time to start seeing friends and family, to start going out and about, to start going back to church if we can? It's not simple and everyone's answers will be different. We all need to move at our own pace, judging what's safe and sensible for us. Maybe today's gospel might help us though, because it's full of careful timing. Matthew starts his story with the word immediately. And there are two more immediately's later in the passage. But not everything happens straight away in this tale. Some things, perhaps surprising things, take time. People have to wait. As I said, the passage starts with immediately. The Greek word doesn't necessarily indicate haste, but it does mean that there's no delay. Jesus has just fed a vast, hungry crowd with five loaves and two fish, but he doesn't hang about with his disciples discussing what's happened afterwards. Instead, he sends them straight back off across the Sea of Galilee in their boat. Maybe he knows that everyone, including him, needs time to themselves at this point. Whatever the reason, though, there's no hanging around. They're sent off, and as soon as he can, Jesus goes up the mountain to pray. <laughs> 
As evening falls, though, a storm blows up, and the little boat, far from land, is battered by the wind and waves. But this is the interesting thing, because although that word immediately comes three times in this short passage, it doesn't come here. In fact, the story tells us that it isn't until the early morning that Jesus sets off to help his friends. From evening to early morning is a lot of hours to be straining at the oars, rowing against the wind, drenched by the waves, getting nowhere. And when Jesus does show up, finally, his first words aren't to calm the storm. The thing he does immediately, there's the second time the word appears, is to say to his disciples, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Hold on to that thought because we'll come back to it later. But Peter still isn't sure that this really is Jesus. He needs proof and he devises a rather daft test to get it. If it is you, he says to Jesus, command me to come to you on the water. They're about to sink. Everyone is frantic. But Peter thinks this is the moment to put Jesus to the test. Now, even if walking on water had always been one of Peter's life goals, this is hardly the time to be trying it out. But Jesus does as he asks. Come, he says. And Peter gets out of the boat and he finds that he's doing it. He's walking on water. For a few minutes, all is well. But then, suddenly, it dawns on Peter that the wind is very windy and the waves are very wavy and people can't actually do what he's doing. It's like that moment in a cartoon when a character runs off the edge of a cliff. For a few seconds, they just keep going, but then they look down and realise that it's impossible and down they fall. Peter abruptly begins to sink. If he still had any doubts about Jesus, they seem to vanish. Lord, save me, he calls out. And immediately, there's the third one, Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him to safety and takes him back to the boat. And then, only then, does the storm subside. Jesus picks his moments to act in this story, but he also picks his moments to wait. He doesn't take over. He doesn't wave a magic wand to still that storm as soon as it blows up or stop it blowing up in the first place. He doesn't say to Peter, this isn't the time for walking on water. Wouldn't you rather I stop the boat from sinking? He recognises that the times of waiting and doubting and struggling and failing matter too. They have a meaning and importance of their own for his disciples and for us, even if we can't see that at the time and just want those times to be over. Many of the disciples in that boat were experienced sailors. They probably thought they could cope with storms. Maybe they needed to get to the point where they knew they couldn't cope and had to accept help if they were going to become the kind of people who were any use to others who weren't coping. And Peter... Poor, daft Peter needed this ridiculous experience of trying and failing and being rescued if he was going to become the kind of man who'd be able to lead the early Christian movement as it tried and failed and needed rescuing again and again in its mission to spread the love of Jesus. 
It's an important message to take hold of. When we are storm-tossed, battered and overwhelmed by life, we all want a magic wand that will take away our troubles. We want God to put things back the way they were again. Often, though, it doesn't happen like that. Our problems don't instantly vanish. But instead of stilling the storm, God can help us to find his stillness within it, his peace that passes understanding, his voice that cuts through the howling wind that says, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And if we need time to doubt and to question like Peter, to test him out, he doesn't take that as an insult, but as a necessary part of our journey. Truly you are the Son of God, say the disciples. What is it that convinces them? Well, it's partly the control he's shown over the waters of the lake, I'm sure. But I wonder whether it's also the way he seems to know them, what they need and when they need it, their kairos moments. Back in the 14th century, an anchorite mystic, Julian of Norwich, who lived through the Black Death, said it better than I can. God did not say, you shall not be storm-tossed, you shall not be work-weary, you shall not be distressed. He said, you shall not be overcome. God isn't distracted, as we so often are, by the outward storms that swirl around us. He sees through them to the deeper needs of our heart and longs to help us become people who can live in the midst of the storm and help others to do so as well, held securely by the knowledge that we're not alone in it. Whatever situations we face, however uncertain our times and our timings, we can be sure that when we need him, Christ will be there, walking towards us even on the most tumultuous waters to bring us his peace. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, who sent your Holy Spirit to be the life and light of your Church, open our hearts to the riches of your grace, that we may bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in love and joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.